Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Creature K. You're listening to Wise Words with Yours Truly podcast. The CIA was, in effect, acting as America's hidden ministry of culture. The hidden ministry of culture, the CIA, the ultimate scapegoat umbrella corporation that is behind all these different um, groups that prescribed and directed and hired and, and uh, you know, successfully employed a lot of people in the different communities in the you know, you know the lower poverty-stricken areas, and you know really infiltrated and uh, you know the minds of the people and uh, influenced a culture of drug sales, uh, overdoses, and you know a lot that comes with that. The battle would include that. Yeah, so uh, anti-establishment, anti-war, the counterculture. Those are, you know, the hallmarks of what I want to talk about on this podcast today. You know, for years I always ran ran into a lot of counterculture information. You know, from books from Timothy Leary to, you know, uh, William... William Burroughs and you know just a lot of psychedelic uh, fiction uh, science fiction and a lot of non-fiction uh, scenarios of traveling and you know uh, taking a journey to all these exotic places where they would um, mention opium use uh, you know in the Middle East or uh, South American um, tribes with uh, you know the shamans how they would have psychedelic uh, substances herbs and uh, ayahuasca drinks to see into like a spiritual realm and find a you know an ascension type of path or something Uh, yeah I always read into that and I never really you know was super influenced by it but I'd always kind of study you know a lot of stuff that happened in the past you know stuff that was in our modern history and counterculture, anti-establishment rallies and protest against the Vietnam War, that was highly documented. And it was also featured in the Forrest Gump movie. So that's where I came across a lot of the, you know, the political stuff. I mean, uh, the Black Panthers were even featured in, in the movie Forrest Gump. And you got to see, uh, you know, just different uh, cultural significances echo in that movie. Um, so where to start? The documentary kind of takes place in the 1960s and they bring up, um, a lot of different CIA memos and documents of, uh, you know, just the infiltration and the, the organized covert operations that they had, uh, in, you know, fueling the drug trade and really confiscating, uh, a lot of like opium fields and whatnot, uh, you know, eventually it's what happens when the, you know, 9-11 comes around and, you know, they have a, an incentive to, you know, uh, invade Iraq in the Middle East. And, you know, this documentary is pretty interesting. You should go check it out for yourself. It's called Drugs as Weapons Against Us. 
You could find it on some kind of movie site. You won't be able to find it on Netflix or anything like that. So do a Google search and see what you come across. Um, so in the documentary, they they feature some musicians. You know, the whole overdose scenarios that were given. How they cremate the bodies a few days after the deaths. And how the, you know, the... You know, these musicians, these stars are, are worth more dead than alive. You have that whole cliche stereotype uh, that's happened in our our modern time. You know, it's still happening today. You know, you see all these rappers uh, become poster children for these drugs and, you know, the drug use and the culture that's kind of embedded and goes hand in hand with the music consumption that we all kind of indulge in every every once in a while. You know, if you're a fan of a particular kind of music, it uh, could be the hip-hop world. I mean, it's not every form of music, but there were these big icons that they all, <laughs> they all were either suicide or some sort of overdose scenario that was contributed to their death and... Um, yeah, you know, uh, it, it all started in the 1960s with the uh, Grateful Dead, Timothy Leary experience. They would uh, recruit and influence people to go to these parties, these these beat-ins or uh, these acid test parties. And, you know, you've heard it all. I mean, I'm sure you've come across some of this information. Um, and they, you know, they would spike drinks at these parties. They would get people to indulge in, in all kind of lewd acts and whatnot. And, you know, it went hand in hand with a lot of spiritual concepts and you had fanatics like Charles Manson and whatnot that, uh, you know, uh, played, a played a ideal role in, uh, you know, psychologically brainwashing youngsters that, didn't know any better. They were highly uh, intoxicated and just, you know, they were kind of just given, um, you know, some sort of hope, you know, with the uh, with the counterculture, you know, hiding under that guise. A lot of these uh, spiritual gurus and know-it-alls and these, you know, these. Uh, these characters that kind of, uh, you know, were publicized and, you know, they were authors and, and whatnot, they all had associations with colleges and, you know, the college campus and uh, these professors and experiments, you know, like that movie Senseless, where it, uh, uh, what was it, one of the Waynes brothers, he goes and, you know, he goes into this trial for like, you know, he enhances his five senses uh, with some sort of chemical experiment through the college, and I think they pay him like you know a couple hundred dollars to partake in the in the experiment. Uh, there was another movie, I forgot which movie it was, but there was a there was like a an experiment uh, taking place, and it was like to eat these brownies, and uh, it was a it was it was an experiment to try out for this company, and you it, but it had psychedelic effects. And, uh, oh, I forgot what movie that was. Um, so yeah, you have these, uh, these trials, you know, that, that people sign up for, uh, you know, to get the, to get the money of some kind. Um, 
and it wasn't all like that, you know. Uh, people were, you know, openly wanting to try out this, these psychedelic substances. Um, just being in the culture and being a fan of, you know, the Beatles and whatnot, and the Rolling Stones. You know, uh, you you had these younger generations that just bought into all that crap and just fell fell head over heels for you know their their icons and the people that influenced them i mean there, there was no internet in these time periods it, you know there was hardly a, even tv but radio was really prevalent and the record sales and you know the record players and you know just trying to get your hands on a lot of the different uh cultural phenomena you know that was you know sort of like a viral status and you know a lot of these a lot of these uh musicians and activists that were targeted they they all had some sort of involvement with a lone gunman or some sort of crazy nut that assassinated them in some sort of situation uh used to didn't start really seeing the anti-war uh rhetoric or you know any of that information until you know you know you had people like martin luther king and malcolm x and uh, JFK and uh, you know that was highly against the war and really trying to balance the budget or whatnot and try to find a better tomorrow. Uh, yeah, they were assassinated uh, of some kind, from, you know, from some odd scenario where they were now going to be honored. And um, you know, you say all the nice things, and it's a cover front. You know, a death is is uh, the perfect veil for silence you know to silence someone and whatnot so it's a powerful uh documentary about operatives uh, hidden in plain sight they speak about um the black panthers how uh huey p newton was influenced by a couple members to get into cocaine and just he just had a downfall of acting wild and just the crazy erratic behavior and not really being in control and you know how how chemical warfare the non-conventional warfare would happen on a domestic level and that you know your friends you know i remember my mom would say like if they're if they're your friends they wouldn't give you that stuff you know and i would always be like oh wow you know and, and i talked to my mom like yeah you know i went to this party and people were snorting coke and it was just like what the hell and she was like, you know what, Nate, if uh, if they were your friends, they wouldn't give you that stuff. And I'd always be like, wow, you know. But it was always a, kind of like a way to break the ice and, you know, uh, you know, have somebody chill on, like, they want you to chill on their level, you know, and stay up all night and party or whatever. And so it's a social thing. And, you know, it's highly political. Uh, the way that the drugs are smuggled and uh, the ones that keep that trafficking um, kind of in place. And all the countries that are involved, you know, from South America to the Middle East, uh, where they grow the opium and or the cocaine or whatever. And uh, yeah, they're manufacturing all these drugs and they end up in the United States. You have people like Freeway Ricky Ross and other informant agents that were literally on the payroll and um 
they were smuggling, smuggling all kinds of crap. Probably even uh, it inspired the human trafficking and, and a lot of the illegal black market uh, smuggling of all kinds of stuff. Um, this documentary covers, um, you know, just just a lot of the shady um, procedures that the CIA, uh, you know, being the scapegoat, you know, this, they, you know, they keep repeating CIA all over the documentary, and for years it's always been, uh, you know, the, the documentary was, uh, or documentaries like this would speak about the CIA and encourage kind of like an anti-CIA scenario that they were involved with a lot of these deaths and a lot of this uh, COINTELPRO information that's out there. It's pretty powerful stuff. You've got to look into it. Take a look at this documentary. It'll blow your mind uh, about, you know, how you know these people are just, uh, you know, crippled by the vice grip that was the dependency and the you know the the expectations of uh you know the the crack dealers and the the people that were supplying the american people with these drugs and you know it inspired musicians <clears throat> to uh you know speak about this information and uh you know when you're in the entertainment industry you're more glorifying the culture and you know the ones that take an opposing view uh, you know, that could, that could get them in deep water, and, you know, you, you know, you could really, you know, that iconic status is, uh, highly controlled, you know, when you make music, or some sort of entertainer of some kind, uh, you know, you can't go out there and go up against the establishment, you know, that pretty much fueled your career, <laughs> and, you know, uh, the kind of like the docileness of, watching TV, you know, these TV stars, you know, they relied on that to fuel their careers, you know, the, uh, the mind control and the subliminal messaging and all that comes with programming a person into thinking, you know, the official story, the official narrative. That's how I look at this CIA, uh, scapegoat scenario. Where they were just involved with all these drug smuggling, uh, cartel kingpins, and enabled the entire thing to go down, in order to, you know, affect the human, the humans out here, um, you know, the Americans, and you know, just get people to become more uh, subservient to the the chemical substances, and you know, we become immune to a, a certain level of them. So it's it's a pretty shocking world, you know, we live in today. And you start to see this information in a whole nother light when you see how things have turned out in today's world. with The legalizing of, of uh, marijuana and, you know, with the, uh, just the increase of overdoses of fentanyl and, you know, just the party scene is, you know, uh, kind of affecting a lot of people's lives whether you see it or not and it's kind of a cultural norm to go out and party with your friends and you know be the talk of the party the loudest one and you know just trying to have a good time you know and uh yeah this whole time it, you know they've given 
you know, been given a set of uh, cultural practices that lead to overdosing and, you know, um, I mean, it's like experimentations, you know, that you do like in college and as you grow up, you know, you try out, you know, you, you know, you take your first sip of beer or you smoke your first cigarette, you know, your, you know, your first hit of weed, you know, it could wake you up, you know, to, to the world around you. Uh, just imagine what some of these, you know, drugs, these other drugs do, like cocaine and stuff like that. You, you'll stop eating, you know what I'm saying, on a lot of these drugs. And you'll just, yeah, you'll look more sick, you know, as far as losing weight and, you know, just be malnourished and just not really all there. You know, I've had family members that got into drugs when they were probably like in their 20s and, you know, they, uh, they, you know, they're not the same today. Completely lost their mind. And it happens to a lot of people around the world, not just in the U.S. Um, but then you see, have like the hip hop world that glorifies it, and you know, it brings into question: Is the COINTELPRO slash CIA operation still in effect? Uh, is the music industry still encouraging uh, drug use by? artists and entertainers that probably don't even do the drugs but they are pushing that agenda because it's popular and you know people you know uh you know have a constant you know it's uh it's it's in high demand for for that type of art you know the, the psychedelic art how bill hicks said uh if you don't like drugs or anything uh you know throw away all your records and your music in your movies because uh you know, people that were acting in these movies were high off cocaine. Uh, uh, who was it? Kenneth Grant, one of those uh, high-ranking occult uh, fraternal order type of members. Uh, he was acting in the Hollywood scene, and he was always on drugs, and he was always on like on LSD and stuff like that. Um, and you just have a just like a historical narrative where, you know, a lot of the funkadelic stars in uh, Parliament Funk, like George Clinton, all of them were uh, rumored, uh, but eventually documented as, uh, you know, on tour they would always do drugs and they got into heroin and, you know, uh, even in the uh, Ray Charles movie they bring up how he was addicted to heroin, he was blind, you know, uh, but still, uh, still was encouraged or influenced or something to get involved with heavy drug use. And so the music industry, the war on the musician and the activist, um, the anti-war, you know, just pushing that whole concept of, uh, and how, you know, there was no Vietnam, uh, history didn't repeat itself with the Iraq war. There wasn't, there was a, some pro, you know, protest and outcry for the atrocities of the Iraq war, but there was no, um, you know, official free love, anti-war messages being promoted. The, uh, they've all been dismantled, you know, these Black Panther type of organizations, they're not what they used to be. Uh, and you had their icon, you know, these iconic stars now, uh, you know, they, they, they have different agendas, they have different, uh, political stances on whatever, 
You know what I'm saying? Like, they just don't put it out there. They're just all about the music and the culture that comes with that, which is the party, you know, the party scene. And that was uh, literally uh, what, you know, these original uh, revolutionary groups were trying to stay away from. But they just, you know, having all those numbers and, you know, they're attached to families that are attached to just different people in the cities of New York, you know, all the major cities in the U.S., uh, where a lot of the Black Panther headquarters were, for example. Um, yeah, there was just, there there was an increase in drug sales. I remember there was a scene in the Black Panther uh, movie, uh, I think it was directed by Oliver Stone. Um, there was a scene where these hippies go into like a Black Panther type of neighborhood, and there's this one guy uh, that sells drugs, and there's these hippies that they drive up and they're like, hey, you know, you think you get some cocaine? And the guy's like, yeah, uh, give me 20 bucks and drive around the corner. You see what I'm saying? Like, this is like an instruction manual that they give you in the movie. So the hippie, uh, the two hippies in their Volkswagen, you know, uh, all psychedelic out, they, uh, they pull away and, you know, the guy is just like, man, you know, these hippies are dumb, you know? And, uh, a Black Panther comes up and is like, "Hey, I told you not to slang, or, you know, you know, to be uh, selling drugs or anything on 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 this corner." And they were like, "Oh, what? You know, uh, he, you know." He's like, "I didn't sell them no drugs. You know, they're dumb. You know, they they they, they think I'm going to be here. You know, if they're dumb enough to want to buy drugs, you know, I just played them. You know, and the whole scene. I think there's even another scene where in in the movie where uh, that same Black Panther guy catches that drug dealer again. Like, hey, man, you know." I told you not to be slinging. And uh, the hippies uh, turn and they look at the Black Panther and say, hey, what are you selling? And uh, the Black Panther says, well, not all of us have anything to sell. You know, like, just because I'm black doesn't mean that I'm going to be selling you drugs. Like, that's a stereotype that's forming. <laughs> the Black Panther kind of like, you know, the facial expression on his face kind of, you know, he was... Uh, conveying that like you know uh we're not all the same you know we don't all destroy our communities you know you know some of us are trying to build each other up and kind of honor you know some other kind of qualities and go in another direction uh culture wise so check out the movie um let me see let me see some other uh what else happened in the documentary i want to speak on uh, Tupac, uh, uh, his Thug Life code, that was something that wasn't spoken about in a lot of the Tupac documentaries or anything, and eventually fueled the uh, truce between the Bloods and the Crips, which was, uh, you know, after his death, it was like one of the main contributing factors that he uh, was accredited to in his career, that he did that, you know, did something before his death that, you know, was... Uh, never heard of and never thought it was possible and whatnot and you know the bloods and the crips were you know drug gang turf war over who was gonna be the one to push the drugs uh in different territories of the towns and the cities in uh in the u.s and so you know the having a truce it was strange because these gangs were were all you know they were you know, they, there was informants. There was people, you know, 
enabling the the drug trafficking uh for eventually the drugs to make it to LA and you know all the way from South America <laughs> like come on so this documentary is pretty fascinating uh you know how Kurt Cobain was overdosed before he committed suicide like he injected you know they show the diagram of like uh you know uh, three like syringes full like two full syringes and one that's like 25% full he just injected himself with just this heavy load and just kind of done away with himself uh that's the official story but there's just so much suspicion with that and Courtney Love and you know uh having some involvement with um you know going you know overseas and being called a uh like a like a human slave like a part of the slave trade and uh yeah you know it'll surprise you how much of these stars have family or uh friends or somebody in in the government or the military like Jim Morrison was a uh you know he was a his father was like a general or something so he was like a you know he was like an army brat or whatever they consider him where you know he was always uh moving and he lived on different army bases and whatnot uh they speak about these uh, LSD groups they would hold these huge parties and some of those guys were, had some involvement with the military and they were ex-military naval pilots and stuff like that you know and, and now they're giving up that life to become psychedelic hippies it don't you know it don't make no sense so it just sees this agent world you know what i'm saying every damn where and you know it's highly publicized and talked about documented and this documentary and you know all these memos you know uh, are referenced in the documentary which is which is a good thing you know see see where the breadcrumbs and the bread trail leads uh let's see what else was was on the documentary i could kind of remember i just watched it a little while ago uh you know these uh these anti-war uh speeches that like JFK gave and whatnot it, it was already set in stone that he wanted to make changes and when he was assassinated there was a quick plot to bring up how there was like mafia bosses that JFK was getting in the way of their business and whatnot and and that's all the official story like no one's diverting from that it, it's all becoming a news segment or a segment on 60 minutes or CNN or something all these uh media outlets are covering these these stories as as they break of these rappers and entertainers that you know they fall victim to these circumstances whether it be uh you know mental illness or some sort of uh some sort of suspicious act where you know they things don't line up uh you know there's a lot of investigations that are withheld uh when it's dubbed a quote unquote suicide i think that's pretty interesting that you know uh no one really no one really pushes a lot of the uh agendas that are that are out there all kind of hidden under you know uh the you know it's all behind the curtain so to speak
So take a look at the documentary. Tell me what you guys think. Um, and, you know, I'll probably watch it a second time. So thanks for listening. Peace.